Hello, welcome back to DMs Anonymous, and with us, as always, the man from another land with the master plan, Andreas. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing okay. I'm not sure I have any master plans that I am willing to divulge anyway. And but if you hear about a Dane trying to take over world domination, I'm not saying it's not me. <laughs> and as always, with us... The protector and taker of Elven Virginity, our queen of criticals, Ari. Hello. I, I, <laughs> how you doing, Ari? Uh, I am doing just fine. I'm, uh, you know, plotting, scheming, which I will admit to. <laughs> now, the, the real question is, have you taken Elven Virginity? I mean, uh, that's a fantastic question, and uh, should probably ask around about that. <laughs> it's poten- there's certainly yeah, there's potential nothing. for it. So, uh, as always, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting family. Check us out at brokenjars.xyz. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash brokenjars. And if you want to support us in another way, if you look down in the show notes, there is a link to DriveThruRPG, which we are now affiliated with. So, every little, if so, for all your RPG needs, uh, you can help us keep the lights on. And it is one of those things where all that money doesn't go into their pocket. It just helps keep the, the servers on and the lights on and everything else so we can bring you this content. Uh, if you're going to buy and drive through RPG, anyways, do yeah. us a solid. Do us a solid. Yeah, that's right. And I, they're great. They have a lot of official content, uh, you know, physical content too, uh, all sorts of great stuff. Right. Today we are talking about NPCs, which is probably the one of the harder parts of being a, a DM. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say it's it's it can be pretty challenging, especially if players go off script and you have to think of an NPC like really fast. <laughs> so do you, do you have players all the time? <laughs> you mean every players all the times? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what, what what kind of stuff do you do to like? Do you have like a bag of tricks to like if they do go off the rails, how you build a, an NPC real fast? Uh, for me, I usually have a uh, bag of names that I'll pull from, and then um, I'll just look at the race list and just pick one at random, and just kind of go from there. I've I've thought about building like an Excel spreadsheet with like a macro. I can click a button that'll do it for me. <laughs> That'd definitely be a good idea. But that takes effort, and I'm tired. <laughs> the names are the hardest part for me. Like, I oh, am I terrible see. at naming things anyway. Like, even when, like, I'm writing, uh, I- I'm terrible at names. Like, if you, if you look at, like, a lot of my work in progress for different books I'm writing, they'll be like, insert name here <laughs> in a lot of them for different people. Just just do, like, Brandon Sanders and just make up weird-sounding shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a name. I mean, they can't say it's not because I made it up. Precisely. Uh, another thing I like to use is uh, NPC for Hire. It's a, I don't know if it's on iOS, but it's on the Android, and it's a really nice app that uh, creates like a background and a little short story for NPCs. I mean, I have, I have, I have two ways. I have, I have my prepared NPCs that are not that might have some quests attached to them. I have some prepared NPCs that are just like these could be thrown in at any time. And then I have like a list for I've mostly played Dungeon Dragons, but and there I had like a list of names for each race and kind of like a quick like occupation and like a short description, like a set and made at like twenty of each. That's a that's a lot of effort. <laughs> 
I mean, it wasn't really that much. I mostly went in, found some generators, at, and then like changed it a little, and then wrote it down and had it ready. Changed, i.e., stole. It's a generator. It's a, it's made. <laughs> and then I was like, no, this doesn't fit right. So what's uh, what's your your favorite NPC that you've got to play? My favorite like archetype or like the favorite actual NPC of actual play? NPC. Yeah. Uh, Are we counting GM PCs for this? Yeah. Yeah. Anything. I, mm. I I wouldn't be able to count GM PCs because I, I fervently think that's a bad idea and you shouldn't do that. Well, that is in Are our you... mailbag, so we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, uh, I usually <laughs> try and avoid GM PCs unless it's like an active part of the story, but even then I'm... I, I try and keep them out of the spotlight and let the character, like the players, have um, like full reign on what's going on. Uh, but, um, I think the NPC I've enjoyed playing the most was the the kind of the good the good troll I made one. The, mm. I think I told you about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, the quasi GM PC um, for my Sunday game, uh, Sorcerer Paladin, who's Kind of like with the party and it's like this bright, cute bundle of joy and the rest of the party are like these like hardened former mercenaries and just like, okay, we're in this because we feel an obligation to help you, but also you're so stinking peppy. Please stop. <laughs> at, least, at least that's how I feel like 90% of the time. Probably the favorite one I got to play was a character I called Holy. He was a literal hole in the wall. So it was like, so the players could like put him on a wall and like reach through him. And he had like arms and legs. So it's like sort of like a cartoon character. But he was also like a raving drunk. So he was like really (laughs) pissy all the damn time. Whenever they would use him, you'd be like cursing at him, like "fuck you" and all this stuff, like or say really inappropriate things, like "ooh, that tickles" or whatever. Oh my god, <laughs> that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, the, the 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 more random NPCs are always fun when you can just like make things up. Oh, totally. No, there was a uh, random NPC. Uh, it was a tiefling named Kurt, who was like the customs officer. <laughs> Uh, that the party met and he was like totally up on his legal stuff and he was like you are trying to entrap me sir I'm not going to respond to this question until I have a lawyer <laughs> sorry whenever anyone is named Kurt all I can think of is Gilmore Girls that's entirely fair <laughs> I've actually uh, been watching Gilmore Girls it's been on TV lately oh uh, it's on it's on Netflix so we've been going through it I'm trying to like this is off topic but like we watched it last year and we got to the final season and they did one of the tropiest things that I hate the most and I quit. So we're the like final, trying to the final old season or the new final season? Uh, the, 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 the original final season. Okay. I hate when they bring in kids like just to create havoc. Like that is like the tropiest thing that I hate the most. Do you hate it, when they bring in kids? To bring... You're not a home alone fan. No, 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 no. Like, um, oh, there's a mystery child you didn't, like, the character didn't know he had, and now it's causing strife in the relationship. That kind of thing. And I hate it. I hate that so much. But if, if, if you ever listen to, like, High Fantasy, there's there's a, probably a solid 15-minute rant of me on one of those episodes just going off on it. <laughs> like, like, it works in some situations. Like, in Dresden Files, it doesn't really bother me, but it's not like, 
it's a plot device, but it doesn't like completely derail the character and the solutions. But it's just it's not manufactured right right on 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 that note on the rest of the that's where i mandatorily have to say <clears throat> fuck susan <laughs> there. i Just mean to say that. harry did i mean uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to npcs so how when you are building an npc like how often do you make them an integral story point or are they more just like hey i have a quest for you i've done both both definitely really integral and sometimes the party has gotten super attached to a pc an npc and they they return to that same npc over and over again because they like him or her uh like the troll uh like he became like it was like a regular thing for the rest of the, every time they got back to the town where it was near it was like oh, let's go see the troll and the girl <laughs> do you Oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to say, um, it definitely means that, like, that character made an impact that it's worth them going back to visit. Because uh, I've kind of had not so much an issue with it, but, um, like, a character, an NPC who is a part of uh, one of my PCs' backstory that they've interacted with, like, twice even though she's been in town and like, I've kind of like dropped, you know, like, Hey, you know, she's here. You can talk to her and have interactions with her. Um, but to be fair though, um, most recently we did have an absolutely wonderful conversation on, Hey, you know, you kind of work for the church. Why are we working with cultists right now? (laughs) And, uh, the, the inquisitor was like, honestly, I don't know. She's like, your hate boner for the BBEG is uh, is that big, ain't it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's about the best way we can put it, ain't it? I have never heard that term before, hate boner. I'm going to have to start using that one. <laughs> it, it is now a part of my dialect. Excellent. I'm so glad. <laughs> a little bit of a hate boner. So what, uh, what issues do you find, especially making an NPC like really integral to the story? Like, what do you, what do you mean? So, like, if they're more than just like we're here for beyond, like, you know, big bad evil people, uh, you know, if you make an NPC really integral to the story and the players don't bite on it, you can run into some issues of like figuring out how to progress your story. I actually had that problem, kinda. They were attached, like, they were sent to this city state. They were work. They the the guy running it. I don't remember what title I gave him some sort of lord uh xavier <laughs> what's his name <laughs> uh, was running uh was like the the, the emperor's like distant cousins so like one of the players was a paladin and this paladin was part of like the order that works for the emperor and then he had the other party members with him because they were like his team that's how mm-hmm. they kind of that was the backstory for how they knew each other uh, so they went there and it, it worked out right. It started doing quests, starting solving some mysteries. And then I was setting up that at this party they were at, the emperor got like mind controlled uh, and they never saw it. They were out by the distraction, this dueling, jousting turn. Uh, and so they didn't see it. So the next time they went there, I was like, I was like, 
made the guard captain act more aggressive and hint and like like very very different than before. Like they did, he doesn't have time to see you. Like you're like, like they weren't important. Like like really act tried to act it differently. It didn't pick up on it at all. They just thought, okay, it's not time for to progress the main story yet. Let's go do side quests. <laughs> and so they did that for four sessions. <laughs> I was like, oh man, they didn't notice. And I mean, hey, sometimes that really happens. Because <laughs> uh, see, the, the way that our brains work and the way that our players' brains works is going to be different. So, and that's just part of the fun of trying to figure out, okay, well, shoot, what do I do next now? If they're not going to bite on this lead, then it's time to bring in something else. I, I try really hard not to railroad, but like for stuff like this, like sometimes you just got to, you know? Like I, uh, the game I'm currently running, it was really important that they meet these four specific uh, NPCs that are sort of mob bosses. I mean, it's probably the best way to put them is, you know, is they're mob bosses for different quadrants of this magical city. And I just like, they essentially got like kidnapped in every quadrant to like go meet the mob bosses. I try, I didn't want to railroad them, but like I remember one time there was like a player couldn't come. So when we were still going to play, usually I want all the players to be able to be there. But like, okay, so I'm thinking about what I just thought was like, you know, they're in the city. So we're like, uh, she gets like separated from them for like, and she gets taken by these bandits, like street thugs. So they have to go save her. And I said they didn't like that. They felt like they got railroaded. Well, like, that's whenever my players feel like they get railroaded. I'm like, well, if you had just been smart about things, this wouldn't be an issue. It's not even like uh, being smart about it. It's just like not picking up on stuff. So you have to, you know, show it a little more forcefully. <laughs> right. Yeah, this, the campaign I'm currently running has been more railroady up to this point. But it's about to get a whole lot less railroady. I will admit the uh, my Sunday game is slightly being railroaded because um, like they got a letter from uh, one of their contacts that was like, Haha, I'm in danger. And um, so it took them like a solid two sessions to realize maybe we should go help him. <laughs> so, so that's where they're heading now. So. But we're also gearing up for some really big plot stuff and I'm really excited. So... Nice. So what's something like y'all try to avoid with NPCs? Like, is, is there something you're just like, I don't like doing this? Or... GM NPCs. Don't do it. Well, that's gonna, that means we're gonna have a fun mailbag later. Ooh, boy. Uh, um, I try to... I usually... Uh, yeah. Uh, I, go ahead. <laughs> I try to avoid love interest NPCs. I did let somebody like sleep with an NPC, but only because I wanted her family who was really important to get really pissed off at the party that's about as far as i'll go there yeah um for me i usually try and avoid using like as easy as it sounds like it should be uh avoid using the same name for npcs just so that it's not as hard to like remember you know who's who and then you have, you know, two characters in the same party, both named Tegan. So, like, oh no, what have we done? Uh, just, just create an NPC called Regan and just have all the fun. Oh, God. <laughs> Tegan, Tegan, and Regan. Oh, God. No, it's, uh, it's, it's fish sticks and good Tegan, so. <laughs> <laughs> good Tegan. <laughs> 
is good Tegan actually good or is it just like that's what they call him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she she's good. She's good. Um, and she's also the first one that like the first one who came into the party anyway. So, um, and, and also the other Tegan is a bard, so you know how that goes. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I would I would be like I would be like like something like real Tegan, backup Tegan, yeah, <laughs> backup Tegan. Yeah, that's, uh, about how the party has reacted to it, or at least a couple people in the party. All right, since we've teased it, do y'all want to get to the, the mailbag a bit? Let's go. So from the DM's anonymous uh, Discord, which is where all these are coming from, uh, Boutique. Link will, be, link will be in the description, right, Jacob? I will try to remember this time. <laughs> uh, how do you handle companion NPCs and DMPCs? We all know Andreas hates them and wants to kick them in the teeth, but I don't I know. Mean, you know, I am the GM, so I play all the NPCs, but I don't like the idea of a, a steady GM PC slash power NPC slash railroad NPC. I just, I just don't, I don't like it. I think it's a bad idea. I think it's bad for the game. I don't, yeah, I never, well, I shouldn't say never, but I very rarely send an NPC with the party. Holy's the one exception because he's technically an item, but uh, I he was just was there to like cause trouble and be useful. Yeah, I mean they they can be like they could run into someone that might help them temporarily. That mm-hmm. I play, that's fine. Like I just don't like someone steady. So like 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 I the GM now was part of the party. I just, I just don't think that's it's a good idea. Uh, the one of the where I think it, it where it's kind kind of a, a, a GM NPC because it's like oh it's like a living weapon but I think that's that's okay mm-hmm. uh, if you play a living weapon like, they're also super fun like they're and super uh, interesting for the players to get yeah uh, in the game we're playing my wife has a great axe that has a Cockney accent and the DM has a lot of fun with that oh fancy a pint governor <laughs> something like that yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the game that came before my Sunday game, um, my character had a living weapon, but then turned into the BBEG for this game. So, um, no, I am well acquainted with talking weapons, but um, one of the other people in the party has a, um, a Valkyrie trapped in a spear as, um, as a uh, character, but... Uh, unfortunately, like we haven't had a whole lot of situations where, like, we've been able to have her really get to talk, uh, just because uh, he just there haven't been a whole lot of opportunities because I feel like I want to like bring her in at like the worst possible moments. So like, if he's talking to like a really important NPC or if he's having like a deep heart to heart, and just have her come in. Well, hello there. Allow me to input my uh, absolutely needed uh, input. So, um, but no, I think in general, as long as you do it right and you're not using them to railroad, GMPCs can't be utilized effectively. You just need to be careful that they're not becoming the star of the show because that should be... Right. Yeah, I think the longest I've had any NPC with the party was like, three quarters of a session basically i'm going to guide you through the mountains so i didn't have to deal with travel and that was about it i think the best 
this wasn't a GM PCS per se. It was it was just an NPC with the party, and it was kind of weak. But one of the best examples I've seen of an NPC going with the party for multiple sessions that worked really well was in Critical Role with a Kinku called Kiri, which was just if anyone's seen that out of the listeners, it's a it's a it's it's a great interaction. The party got super attached to this um, Kinku child who like, <laughs> and he played it so well. It was just, that, so. so- how how often do you kill off the uh, NPC that the uh, players are really attached to? I mean, I don't want to just... It's not like... I don't usually play, like, grim, dark fantasy in my role-playing games. But, like, it can have a great impact on the story and on, on the emotions of the players. So, I mean, I'm not saying uh, I would never do it, but it would have to make sense. And usually, it would I would prefer that, I, that, that it's something... It's... Un, on a consequence of something the players did, so they don't feel like I just like snipe their favorite NPC to make them feel things. But be, yeah, being a fan of Jim Butcher and Dresden Files, I'm just like, oh, you like this character? Well, let's see how much torture we can put it through. Let's see if we can break them or yeah. turn them into and turn them into knights. <laughs> yeah. like, I definitely agree with Andreas. Like, if it's not like if it's not. Uh, going to make sense with the story and it doesn't, it's not like a direct consequence of something that the players have done. It's not as impactful. Yeah, do you ever bring in an NPC just to kill them? Because I've definitely had that planned to where like, this person's going to get like into the party and then get killed and that's their motivation for like doing something. I've never introduced an NPC with the idea that they should die except maybe, you know, minor villains they will usually end up dead. <laughs> uh, but like uh, a neutral or that's uh, like friendly to the party, I've never been like, I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> so you are not Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martining around. I'm not a, I'm not a grim dark kind of like the, the, the fantasy I read as well. is not really grim dark, but I mean, I do. We'll see. We'll see if I can get more into it. Yeah, grim dark. <laughs> it could be fun. It could be fun to do it. I can, I can definitely see the attraction. Next episode, Andreas is gonna be like, "Yep, I definitely killed three dev- different." <laughs> Next episode, I'm just gonna be like, "My hair dyed black, black nail." Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, "Yeah, I killed everybody, man." It's like nobody's safe. Okay. Next question from Bourbon Baccarat: What are some strategies for making your villain sufficiently evil without resorting to tropes like burning down puppy orphanages? I've giving got, them connections to heard the players. <laughs> Do what? Sorry. Uh, Andres first. Go ahead. I just said I have not heard about the, the puppy orphanage trope. That's a new <laughs> trope to me. What, what did you say, Ari? Uh, giving them connections to the players. Um, so, again, for the... Uh, I'm just going to keep referencing the Sunday game because it's uh, the biggest game I've run in a long time. Uh, but... Like, the big bad for this game, I mean, as I said, like, he was, like, way back attached to my character from that game before my character kind of sort of bit the dust. And so now everybody in the party has an attachment to that character in some way or another. Um, Like, for one, I mean, he's a paladin. He's just going to be like, I am going to defeat this demon because that's what I do. Um, <clears throat> the sorcerer is just kind of along for the ride because, like, you're you're a nasty man. You're a nasty boy, Batman. And the Inquisitor is like, first of all, you stole my eye. 
second of all, there might be unresolved things that I want to do with that other character that you might have killed. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think a good example of a of like motivation for a big bad is is Thanos from the MCU. Um, you know, it, yeah, not, has, not, not comic book Thanos, but MCU Thanos, because their motivations are very different. Well, oh, yeah. I've never read the comics, but <laughs> the difference. Trying to seduce death. <laughs> so, the, the, like in the in the in the movies, he's a great example because he's like overpopulation. I mean, I can you can you can like you can like when you watch the movie and like nobody's like everybody I've talked to, they're like, yeah, I mean, the man's got a point, <laughs> right? And so that's sort of like uh, you know, let's not. Because it, it's easy just to go, I want to take over the world or kill everybody. Yeah, to kill everybody. In the comic books, he wants to kill half the universe because he's in love with death and he wants her attention. Right, right. I remember hearing about that. <laughs> Which, hey, that would be a really great... Because, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some form of death in the, at least in the D&D universe. That'd be a great story. <laughs> It's usually represented by the Raven Queen in my campaigns. Right. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's a good one. But like, yeah, if if you can give the uh, the the big bad a believable reason for wanting to do what he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, I I approach it kind of differently. I'm not a great. I'm not a great. I'm not a good great writer. I mean, I'm not. I and tropes are tropes for a reason. Like they they usually work. Right. I I say there's nothing wrong with embracing tropes. If you're if you're like a mediocre slash non-existent storyteller, but you still want to run campaigns and have fun, you can do that, and you can embrace tropes. And I think the most important is like what Jacob brought up is, especially for your more overarching villains. Maybe not so much the local villains; they can be kind of cliche. But if you like, like nobody's a villain in their own mind usually so think about their motivations and mm-hmm. why they do what they do and what is their goal what do they want maybe maybe this, this lich wants to turn everybody on un, into undead because he wants to stop you know people dying he's like he lost people he loved and he's like he wants nobody else to feel this so everybody has to be undead because then nobody will die. that's that's probably a trope that sounds tropey to me but I mean, I think that could work. Yeah, for sure. Believable motivation and 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 a compelling, like somewhat compelling argument. Uh, and especially, and I'm sure Pathfinder is the same way. But in D and D, like the backstories for all the evil gods and demi liches and you know big baddies, like their backstories are really deep. But you just pick something out of the backstory, like, and this is why she hates everybody. You can definitely do that. Oh, yeah. I, try, I, I really like using my players' backgrounds. They write a background story, and then I expand on it. Like I find usually I try to find a conflict or a villain in each backstory, and they, as they go through the campaign, they're gonna go through each person's backstory, which I will expand upon and build on. Mm-hmm. And they'll run into usually a, a not always a villain. You could it could even, it could be other stuff too, but often it's a villain. <laughs> In it from their backstory, which has got great impact on the players, especially the guys who, whose backstory. It is. Right. Yeah. In the uh, in the game I'm running, I've built a lot of the mechanics around the big bad, and like basically the big bad is trying to take over the Gith again because they are they can they have the ability to sail the astral sea, and everyone's trying to stop that because the, you know the big bad wants to 
re-enslave humanity. So at the very beginning of history, humanity was enslaved by the dragons. And in the way this is going, the big bad, the 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 Demogene pig, which I'm is the big bad, helped the dragons enslave humanity or the uh, material plane. And he's pissed off that the material plane, you know, overthrew their rulers, and he's ready to start killing people again. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of realizing that uh, my big bad is actually just kind of chilling out right now. Uh, like, he's keeping an eye on the players, but, I mean, he is uh, busy in those lower planes, just uh, doing, doing his job as executioner. So, uh, he, he's uh, just chilling. <laughs> it's just the, the party is just coming for him because, like, you have wronged us in the past. It is time to stop. <laughs> just, you mentioned dragons. Am I the only one who feels like especially dragons are just... They're actually pretty hard to work with in a compelling storytelling way. They're pretty one-dimensional, the evil dragons at least. Yeah, well, it's more that, I mean, they're, in in this story, they're more of a plot device than actual characters. So, you know, in, in time, in times past, you know, gener- you know, thousands of years ago, the dragons ruled the material plane. Then humans figured out magic and overthrew them. That's really how they're in my campaign. They're not like, I'm not going to have like, you know, the, the Knights of the Dragon Roundtable kind of thing going on. No, no, I was just, especially when you play Dungeons and Dragons, right? I, I usually want to include some dragons in the campaign. But I mean, I mean, the most interesting dragon I've made so far was, is it young adult they're called? Like the, what are like, they're, they look like dragons, but they're still like, the challenge rating four or something. I don't remember yeah. exactly. Uh, which was like the the idea with this dragon was that he was like he was the son of this really powerful blue dragon, and now he'd struck out to make it on his own. He's made his own little lair in a desert and an oasis, and like he now he was gonna he was gonna live up to his father's name, and he gets his ass horribly handed to him by this <laughs> by the party, and like he's like, my father will hear of this. Lucius Malfoy, <laughs> uh, you will ruin the day. Super. He had no confidence. Pretended. That's probably the most interesting. Yeah, they're they're much better as like just like things to kill. Yeah. I think I've used like one dragon in one of my games so far. I've probably used others, but I'm drawing a blank. But. Um, it actually was like an avatar of one of the goddesses of the realm. So yeah, in in my campaign, even even the Raven Queen is scared of this like overarching deity that's ready to take down humanity again. Yeah, he he's just a big. Well, actually, it's going to be a she. She's a very big badass. Uh, do what? Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, like outside. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely outside reality. And I'm, I'm going to be reskinning one of the really big monsters from Mordecai's. I haven't read, but it has a compared to the. Yeah, oh no, it's definitely got some of the biggest monsters in. I think it's got the biggest monsters in official D and D, and it's and they got like and it's a lot of backstory too. Like if you like backstory and that kind of stuff, Mordecai's is great. There's so much in there, and like one thing they did that a lot of the like um monster manual monsters don't have is a lot of them have these like lair actions like i was reading through it like if like with the demogorgon like if you're within five miles of its lair you have to make like 
constitution saving checks like every eight hours or you start like getting levels of madness and all this crazy stuff? I have not. I've never even heard of it. Neither have I. It's gotten kind of mixed up in the character. They're like base mechanics type. Uh, one of the coolest things can give your one time you. Huh. That'd be interesting. But from what I read from this, it's kind of. It reference can't get them. It feels like half a book, which is hmm. But I, I really. Yeah, there's a. What is it? Limitless, Limitless Adventures. They have some pretty good uh, stuff uh, out there for like extra baddies and uh, like they have like. They developed different types of dragons and other types of monsters. It was pretty good. I.e., kicks. You know, basically, Kickstarter has all the stuff you could ever want for Dean. Nice. Think ancient mythology, but Dungeon and Dragons, dragons. That sounds sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm waiting for my Lasers and Liches books to show up finally. Yeah, it looks like so much fun. The best part of the. Nice. Yeah, from the lead designer of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and KOTOR. Damn, that's awesome. How much is it? PDF. Okay, so 25 bucks for the PDFs. That's not bad. Ooh, 60 bucks for the hardcover. Mm. It's so pretty. I'm, I'm such a sucker for, like, physical books. Like, it's great that there's so much content in digital form, but I am such a sucker for, like, a physical book. Like, it kills me Eberron uh, isn't physical. Yeah, I like... Right, me too. And so, like, I've actually thought about, like, using one my discount to get a it would still be like a hundred bucks but to get like a nice version of ebron printed out for me there is this shop that- yeah yeah that's yeah that's generally what it is but all right moving on how do you react when players take a liking to a very minor npc for which you had little prepared it's time to start fleshing them out <laughs> i fleshing it as that he was a good troll and he made a first i kind of had to expand on he is the best <laughs> Uh, it actually kind of accidentally happened uh, last Sunday. Um, uh, the half giant in the party was trying to uh, do an arm wrestling competition. So I just had like a rando who was uh, sitting at the uh, mercenary guild like, hey, I'll, I'll challenge you to an arm wrestling contest. And it was one of those glorious moments where, you know, one person rolled a nat 20 on the strength check and the other person rolled a nat 1. So rando got thrown across the room. And um, the party wound up hiring him, so I've been um, kind of flushing him out. And hurrah, he has his own itty-bitty story now. Yeah, I, I generally have, like, at least some kind of idea for my NPCs, unless they just, like, really go off the rails and i got to make somebody up on the fly. But I'll generally have, like, a motivation and something else. But, you know, the, the, NPC, the ones on the fly, I, I try to make disposable as possible. You made up Johnny, like, I don't know, two months later, they want to go back and see them. Uh, Who? What did, what, what did he sound like again? How are you? Oh, shit. Like, <laughs> making a little note where, like, it's this guy, is, this, is, this is who he is, and, and, like, a description of what he sounds like. Yeah, my, my players aren't very good at it, but I've asked them, like, okay, if you meet somebody, please write it down in this document <laughs> so I can remember. <laughs> Yeah, no, like while I'm DMing, I'm like constantly taking notes, uh, be it like stupid, silly things that they're saying or like character names I'm coming up with on the fly and just like making sure that everything is still like in line with like the plans that I have. So, and it's also good to like look back uh, to see like Mm. what the party should already know. So, right. It's a, that's another reason I try to record my sessions. So I can like go back and listen if I've forgotten anything. Mm-hmm. 
There's a, I can't afford it, but there's a great service out there called Voicea. And it's like this AI note-taking system. And it's awesome. Like, <laughs> like you can like, you'll create like an entire transcript of whatever it's, you know, heard. And you can set up keywords. So like, because I, I did the free trial and it was like, every time I say the word gold, create like a special snippet you know, in the notes. And so I could like remember how much gold I've given out or that kind of thing. So I created like all these different keywords and it was, it was really great, but it's like 35 bucks a month. It's like, oof. It's, it's designed for corporations, you know, like, well, yeah, but, but if I could like, I mean, I could afford it. I, I don't want to afford it that bad, you know, but yeah. I'm just like, it, it was not worth $35 a month. Right. Yeah. But or at it, least for, for you for right now. But if, if you play online or, or can just record your session, suggest to do the free trial because it is pretty cool. Okay, last mailbag question from the Maniac Gentleman. How do you flesh out your homebrew pantheons? What are your sources of inspiration? How do your pantheons differ from others? Oh, boy. Uh, so one of the first big games that I ever ran spawned from the fact that I have like 25 characters that I'd made up for something completely unrelated that like I, I wound up dropping that project. And I was like, hmm, I still have these characters. I still really like these characters. I'm just going to make them into a pantheon. So and then like an entire game spawned from that. And um, so for me, it was just a matter of like sitting down and figuring out like, okay, what are the relationships between these characters? What aspects of this world need to be covered? So be it like light or luck or um, in the Pantheon, there are, there's a goddess of death and a goddess of undeath. And the two of them are like rival forces. Um, um, there's a god of wisdom and a god of strength. And each of them like kind of like was slowly trying to, uh, gain the upper hand over the other one, uh, by influencing the leaders of the world. Um, so uh, definitely looking up other pantheons, uh, just from around the world and seeing like the mythology and the interplay between those gods definitely was a big thing. Um, and also just making gods that are worth wor worshiping. Like if there's no reason for the characters to follow that God, then there's no reason to have that God in your pantheon. Yeah. I don't do too much with like custom pantheons besides like this big bad I'm making, but what I will do is create like like different rules around how they work. So in one game, I, the idea was that the more followers a certain god had, the stronger they were. So the entire thing was them trying to influence more and more people so the gods could get stronger and stronger. I don't really have a good answer for this question because usually the gods I used are lifted wholesale from uh, one specific, like it was the ones that Matthew Mercer used in campaign one, uh, which was the Pathfinder gods, I think, for a certain story or something. Sounds about right, I think. Yeah. That's, that's just the gods I've been using when I run D&D. Yeah, I just I just pull straight from the book. I mean, I, that's, that's just something I, I'm not giving like a ton of thought to. Um. Another game that I'm running, uh, we have one god for each alignment. So, uh, like, depending on your alignment, that's where 
you'll go in the afterlife. Um, it's not so much that people are exactly like just worshiping the God that their alignment is with though. Um, it's usually like within that one step. So like, for example, if you're neutral good, you might worship the chaotic good God or so on and so forth. So I think Ari has our item of the podcast. I do. It is the ring of the Ram. And I could actually pull it up. Uh, I put it in the Discord. But uh, so Ring of the Ram, according to Rule 20, uh, the ring has three charges and it gains 1d3 expended charges daily at dawn. While wearing the ring, you can use an action to expend one to three of its charges to attack one creature you can see within 60 feet of you. Ring produces a spectral ram's head and makes its attack roll with a plus seven bonus on a hit for each charge you spend. Target takes 2d10 force damage and is pushed five feet away from you. Uh, alternatively, you can expend one to three of the ring's charges as an action to try and break an object you can see within 60 feet of you that's being worn or carried. The ring makes a strength check with a plus five bonus for each charge you spend. It's interesting to me that it's the ring is doing this and not the player. Yeah, it's definitely like, because I'm so used to like an item like that, like just adding to your strength modifier to do these things. But no, it's the ring itself. Right. And it's probably just flavor text, but like the ring produces a spectral ram's head. Like Mm -hmm. that to me seems like, you know, if you were stealthing, that would screw up your stuff you know your ability to be hidden because oh I, yeah without a doubt because it, in my head you know obviously it's a a, a fucking patronus right i mean that's yeah, it, yeah. in my head that's what it is so i don't man that's there's a lot there in the flavor text that mm-hmm. i think could be very interesting yeah like and i definitely like that you can choose how many charges to expend to either gain bonuses to break stuff or um do more damage or push it further away from you um but i would definitely rule like you have to say how many uh charges you're expending before you roll to attack well yeah Um, Mm. so many charges you use before you and and would would you say that they stack so if you use three charges it's 60 10 damage yeah damn that's vicious i I wouldn't do you wouldn't have them stack? So why would you ever want to expend more than one charge at a time? Well, you can... There's also uh, considering, like, if you say, okay, I'm going to expend all three of them at the same time. If you miss, I would rule that those charges are expended. Like, you can't right. get those back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I would make the... Uh, you don't increase the attack roll, but I think the damage would increase. Yeah, damage it... would increase. I, I would say that the... Um, like that plus seven bonus for the attack, that would only be counted once. Right. Yeah, I think you can, I mean, since it says you can use more at once, I don't want to give the plus to hit because that's basically a guaranteed hit for 60 damage if you use all three. Yeah, exactly. Or, or not 60 damage, but like somewhere between 30 and 60. Right. But I would, and I wouldn't stack the push either. Just... Uh, the push I could see being stacked, but that, that would just be a, um, like a personal choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, man, yeah, because it makes sense that if it, if you, it, there's no reason to use an extra charge unless it's stacked. 
And there are definitely reasons to want to, instead of dealing damage, push something 15 feet. It's just right. like the second part of it says what happens with stacks, but the first part, even yeah. though it can stack. Right, this plus five bonus for each charge you spend. Yeah. And plus 15 to strength, that's sick. Sometimes. I mean, that's... But the ring makes a strength check. Right. Yes. With a plus five bonus for each charge you spend. Not you, the ring. Right, but still, it's plus fifteen strength if you use all yeah. three of them. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of plus in D and D. Yeah, it's a lot of damage. Shouldn't the ring have like have stats, or is its strength just zero? I guess then. I'm guessing it's with. I'm guessing it's zero until you start expending charges. Yeah, so so I can get yeah. from, from five, ten, or fifteen plus to strength, uh, and then roll. Right, which yeah. that would be, uh, but it is. T- it it is specifically to break an object. You can see, so it's, it's not like it's like, not like you can like hulk out if you're um, restrained with it. Yeah. How do you guys do a d three since that's not a dice? I just say one d six divided by two. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I used to have a d three, but uh, it has been misplaced. I need to find another one at some point. They're kind of funky looking, but. Uh, they're they're kind of like the um, triangular prisms, pretty much is the shape. But set point. People are. Oh, I just Google it. Like, oh, I'm looking for like a D. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for a D seven. God, no D sevens are wild looking. The only like quote unquote special dice I have is I, I bought a D one hundred just for funsies. Nice. That thing never D30. quits rolling. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a golf ball. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I found a D30 for like a dollar at like a thrift store. I was like, <laughs> that's fine now. <laughs> um, and I have only used it for a random table that I made. So, um, but I technically speaking, I could totally just use that for a D3. Yeah. But. Ooh, I just found a, one, a D120. <laughs> I think that that's the biggest that there is. Throw like a someone needs someone's you know someone is three D printed like a D five hundred or something stupid. Yeah. How would you even make that? Probably the same. Like it would have to be the same way you make a D ten because the most number of faces a single. Um, I forgot the terminology, but. Um, but you can't have a dice like I think. Yeah, I think one twenty is the most faces that an item can have, or like a object can have... Uh, like a polyhedral? Being, yeah, 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 polyhedral, that's it. Listen, I haven't taken a math class in like probably like four or five years, so <laughs> miss me with that. What's that? I passed my high school, it's different here, but math, and I've never had math since. It's like, no thank you. Oh, yeah, um, it's been a long time for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to feel old talking to you. It was. It's been fourteen years from since I had math education. Try to think what my last actual math course was, because I have had courses that involve a lot of math, but not actual math courses. Because I don't. I didn't have one in my masters. Well, I did have econ. That's kind of math. Yeah, kind of. So back in university. Well, yeah. Well, my second time through the university. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, I think we're about wrapping things up any last things anyone wants to shout out there 
Uh, I want to give a massive shout out to my stinking players. I don't deserve y'all, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said at the top, you can find us uh, Broken Jars at XYZ. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jacob Ingles. Um, yeah, I don't do a whole lot on the internet, but that's where I do most of it. You can check out my other podcast, uh, Great Scott, if you're a fan of The Office. We are in season nine, so. Yeah, we actually, our next episode will be our 70th episode, so you're going to have a lot of uh, backlog if you want to start listening. I have never seen the American office. It's good. Or the UK office. I've never seen the office. <laughs> but I mean, Heathen. I know, I, I've, I, I, use, I use GIFs from there. Friendship over, dude. <laughs> and it's GIF, motherfucker. <laughs> GIF. GIF is a peanut butter. We don't have peanut Really? Uh, okay, sure. We have peanut butter, but it's not normal. To, but there is peanut butter, but yeah. rarely, rarely. Uh, on Twitter, I'm it's an Ari. Uh, that's about all I do on the internet these days. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Mixer, Mixer.com/slanceqt. You can find me on YouTube. Same thing, I think. Uh, I'm actually gonna put up an actual YouTube video. On my own this month. That's the cool. And you can find me on the Broken Stars uh, Dressed in Files podcast. Awesome. Oh, and like I said, please, uh, if you're gonna buy some stuff to drive uh, drive to RPG, please use our link in the show notes. Is there a discount with that, Jacob, or is it just a? I I am the first to find out about sales. So if people are interested, I can set you up with a, a feed so you can be the first to know about like sale items. But there's no actual discount on the code, the affiliate code. It's just often there is, so I wasn't sure if we had uh, that. Not this particular one. They, they do roll out different discounts at different times. So I will also, when I can, put those in the notes as well. But right now, it's just, you know, your basic banner thingy. But I will. Uh, uh, we just got this. So I'm still trying to figure out all the ins and outs of it. Cool. But yeah, we will. Uh, we'll see everybody uh, next time. Till then. Bye. Till then.